Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball, where we tell stories, where we learn about people. And if you listen to part one, you got to know Kim English, who's the new head coach at George Mason University. And a guy who grew up in Baltimore, you're just tuning in. You're like, well, what is he talking about? Just go download, listen to, to part one. It was amazing. I mean, his, his recall is crazy, crazy. His story about overcoming his stutter. Also really, really impressive. And just his, his overall rise. Um, this is part two. And um, you'll, you'll hear about Kim and how he rose so quickly in the coaching profession to where now at 32 years old, he's a head coach at a place that's been to a final four um, in, in the last 15 years. Like it's the whole thing is crazy. So we'll get to that in a second. I, I want to give you just a couple of quick thoughts. When I watch basketball games, I don't know if you're like me, I learned something. Now, you know, I've always been this way watching Steph since he got to the NBA and maybe even in college where you're more surprised when he misses than when he makes regardless of the difficulty of the shot. But I think the Warriors, and not sure if they would have been there this year had Clay not torn his Achilles tendon. Obviously, a lot of it depends upon Clay and coming back, but he'll have plenty of time off. If you look at Kevin Durant's comeback and you start to realize that while Clay is a great athlete and a great shooter and needs that balance and that push off, it's not like he's. John Morant are one of these absolute athletic freaks where if he loses a half step because of the Achilles and the knee, it kills him. I want you to take a second, take a breath and realize that the Warriors are close. Next year, Wiseman will be a second year player. He only played three games in college. He had no summer league. 
He had a very limited training camp, and he didn't have Clay Thompson. I think Jordan Poole has a chance to be a tremendous player. I don't know if Wiggins, especially with his contract, is the end-all, be-all, but if, if Wiggins is their fourth-best player, that's a pretty good team. <laughs> and that's with Weissman as their fifth-best player. Of course, a lot of it depends upon Clay and what he comes back at. The other thing is, can we say something about the conditioning of Steph Curry to move like that for as long as he does? Like the the off the ball movement is not only incredible, but to do it and make shots means you have to be in unbelievable physical condition, which he is. I mean, it's something like look, LeBron obviously is as well, but I think it's more difficult, more difficult when you're moving off the ball with the speed, quickness, the physicality of the NBA. If if I was going to make one adjustment, one adjustment, or point out one thing that I think the Warriors could have done when they're down three points. Like, look, he nearly Steph nearly got a look passing and then cutting off of Draymond Green. But ask anybody in the NBA and they'll tell you that the hardest time guarding Steph Curry is when he doesn't have the ball because he can't see him. And when they needed a bucket, he brought the ball to the floor, which allows the defense to set and know where he is. So I think if there were two adjustments that Steve Kerr could have made, one would be have something in the arsenal for that very time of the game where Steph doesn't have the ball and then he works to get it. I mean, look, it was a ter- there was a terrible uh, moving screen call on Draymond Green. I mean, I don't, I don't care how hard he fouled LeBron James. It's doubly punitive if that's some sort of make up or an additional call on Draymond because one of the Lakers took a dive. The other one, though, is with 2.2 seconds to go when they call a timeout and they run a play, Andrew Wiggins is wide open in the weak side corner. Of course, in front of the Lakers bench, that's a hard pass to make. But you have one of the great passing big men in the history of the league in Draymond Green. And he's a non-threat to shoot the basketball. So basically, you have two options here, as I see it. One, tell Draymond to shoot when you're down three because he's going to be wide open. Or two, have Draymond pass the ball inbounds. And he likely would have seen Andrew Wiggins wide open on the weak side. I still like the Lakers, even though they didn't play well, to advance past the Phoenix Suns. I'll get you some more picks once we have the brackets all set. And if you don't see the Warriors getting better, I can't help you. Jordan Poole's a player now. Wiseman's going to get better. If Clay comes back in any sort of form close to Clay Thompson in the past, which is a lot, missing two years and two catastrophic injuries, I think the Warriors can be right there and competitive next year for the entire thing. You can check out the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 3 Pacific, FoxSportsRadio.com, iHeartRadio app, Sirius XM 217 203. Without further ado, let's get to part two of my discussion with Kim English. Yeah, actually, you know what? I want to start with something that I'm guessing you do that I do. I, I watch basketball. I try and learn something from every time I watch basketball. Did you stay up and watch the Laker game last night? I did. I did. I did. What? Give me, a t- give me a takeaway. Just, I mean, honestly, the, the, the start of the game was, was, I guess, really impactful to me. You know, I, I tweeted it. Um, you know, I tweeted it to young players. I said, you know, oftentimes I've been on teams that, you know, weren't great. Sh- like I've coached teams that weren't great sh- three-point shooting teams. 
I've said like in staff meetings before, I think we would be a better shooting team if we were a better passing team. And at the start of that game, just the way the ball was flying around for Golden State, I mean, and Baysmore and and, and Toscano Anderson, Steph, all of their catches were so clean and great looks and led to makes. And, you know, that's, that's why they, they they jumped up. But I was kind of in and out of the game in the uh, – actually, I just got home from working out, so I actually ran and took a shower at halftime, and then I came back and I was texting with our guys, kind of clipping stuff up on my laptop. So I was kind of in and out of the game in the second half. I watched the last two minutes locked in, really. Um, it's funny. I, I do with, with kids and I would, I would do it with a college team too. I do this thing. I call it, you know, you know, everybody knows what the golden rule is, right? Mm-hmm. Do unto others as you want done unto you. Yeah. And I think passing is the same, yeah. you know, yeah. that you demand you yeah. do like, think, do you want to pass at your knees? Or you want to pass in the pocket, right? It's everything. It's everything. And it's, it's everything in basketball, everything, you know, you, everything as far as your teammate you know we at Tennessee we had the saying called Enom it's not about me and you know the Spurs you know Greg Popovich says you know to be a spur you have to get over yourself understand it's not about you and the 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 ironic thing about that is if you can truly get over yourself and if you can really live by the creed it's not about me you would then have 14 other guys only thinking about you (laughs) All your teammates are worried about your success. Um, so it's 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 everything in our game, man. Trying to I think that's that is basketball nirvana when you can get that accomplished. But it's it's interesting though, because when you think back to when you're a player, like I was an incredibly unselfish player, but still very much in my own head about my own game, right? It's a it's it's why I think you can be great at this because you're not so far removed that you don't remember all the things going on outside or even in your brain. And yet you're trying to, during that, during those 40 minutes, trying to, to not make it about you. You got to speak those things to power, you know, and it's, I guess that is a, it is, that, that has been a cool thing being a young coach. Like I know exactly what they're thinking when they're thinking it. Like, you know, I've, I've walked in a locker room, after we won a game and one of our top six players had a terrible game and I see him kind of pouting in the locker room after a win, address it right then. Hey, look, man, on this team, we win a game. I don't care if you fake it. You better fake it in this locker room and act happy. And and, and I understand performance matters, but we won this game. We won this game. So when you get in your car or back in your dorm and you talk to your dad, you know, part of my language, bitch and moan then. Like not in this locker room. Yeah. Because I, because that that is that that stuff leads to really bad teams. Because now what's gonna happen the next game when the kid who played well this game plays bad, but we won, but you played good. Like I want every and and, and every single thing you do, man, like when our team's together, it's not about you. Now, like it's times in basketball you have to be selfish as an individual yeah. and in a team. Like, you know, you, you need to be selfish. You need to want to make every single free throw you shoot. You can be selfish going for rebounds. I want you to be selfish. You, if, if, you know, if you want to be selfish and, and you think you're our best defender, you want to guard the other team's best guy, be selfish. Be selfish 
as an individual. Be selfish and, and want to have a good shooting percentage. Get in the gym on your own. Work on your game. Like, be dedicated to your craft. But when we come together as a team, you have to let that go. And, and I've lived it. I've lived it. You know, I was selfish. I had selfish. I had, I had a, you know, I, I had an agenda my junior year in college. I wanted to score. And I thought I could, because I, I was on draft boards after my sophomore year. I thought I could go. And I had a terrible year. 10 points per game. Bad percentages. Bad percentages. And uh, going into my last year, I let all that stuff go. I let all that stuff go. And um, and it was it was remarkable, like the success I had, because your teammates know it. Your teammates know <laughs> if you're only worried about yourself, <laughs> you know, and your teammates also know if like I had a thing. If I ever, ever went to a teammate to like coach him during the game, I never made it about me. I would always say, hey, man, when you open, you got to shoot that. Hey, bro, if you run harder, I can hit you on that, you know, that, that yeah. kick to the corner. Hey, bro, look for Ricardo when he's rolling. Like, they're, they're not tagging him. They're staying with me on my field behind. Like, look for Ricardo. The roll's open. Like, so if every time I went to my teammate, it was only about them, never about me, what happened was Phil and Mike and Marcus, like, they, Steve Moore, like, they started to want to see my success. And I, wanted, I want that to be realized on our teams here. Um, I'll tell you one other thing I saw is Caruso is not a good shooter. I, I know he's become a good enough shooter to where they can play him, but he's an unbelievable cutter, mm. just an unbelievable cutter. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if people understand how valuable that is. And, you know, within what I try and teach kids to do in terms of it's, it's, again, it's about, it's about selflessness, right? When you cut, even if you're not open, not only does the defender, he can't pay attention to the ball, but then there's usually a secondary defender that has to help. So while that's like a, a selfish act really for, for Caruso to go like, hey, I, I can't really shoot here. I'm kind of open, but not open. If I cut, now all of a sudden everything else opens up. It's a selfish because if I cut and they don't guard me, I get the ball moved, but it's really unselfish because it opens up everything for everybody else. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's at 40 this year from three, which is great. Um, Caruso is, but yeah, no, that's it's crazy that like late in the game, he shot the, he hit the side of the backboard on a, yeah. on a three, right? Yeah. Like no, he's, he's impactful, man. He's impactful. I mean, that cut he made, he made one of the biggest plays in the game. It was when LeBron came off that middle ball screen going to the right and LeBron kind of jumped up. And I mean, it was a drive, but I kind of look at that as a cut, you know, he caught it on a yeah. run. I call, yes. it, I call it a go catch. Like if you're, you're not, you know, you're, you are running before you catch the ball and he kind of broke through and he dumped it off to AD yeah. for the dunk. Like, I look at that as a cut. You know, Kyle Singler, who I played with in Detroit, was like that. I mean, just everyone wanted to play with him. You know, we signed a kid that's coming here to George Mason, Devontae Gaines from Tennessee, where, you know, if you look at his stats at Tennessee, you won't see the impact. But watch him in practice every day. You can really see the impact. And cutting is, a, 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 is something that he does um, really well. Okay, so when we last talked, you talked about sending scan reports for two years to Frank Haith at Tulsa mm -hmm. about, and just completely detailed going through synergy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So your first year, mm -hmm. uh, you hang it up. What's it like to now be a, be a coach, to be on staff your first year? That was great. It was great. And I felt like I was back in the league. Um, now I felt like I was in a new environment and, you know, I, I, I get most excited in, in environments where I, I feel like I'm learning. And I was just soaking it all up. And I was, you know, I was taking myself 
my mind back into a college state, you know, for, you know, playing pro for, for, for three years, not long, but, you know, taking myself back to the college game, relearning the college game, the rules, the, the shot clock had changed um, from 35 to 30 my first year um, back coaching in college. Um, so it was great. It was an awesome experience to learn from Coach Haith and Coach Felton and uh, Mike Schwartz was it there. It was unbelievable. Who, 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 give me, give me entire who was on staff because I remember it being Dave Lato. Dave, Dave Lato had just left. Um, right. so Mike Schwartz came from Fresno State, who was there for a year. He was, and I know Schwartz. He was at Texas as a walk-on when I was playing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, he actually and, played in that game. They beat you guys in the, or you, you guys beat them, where they were gonna, you, they were gonna win the Big Twelve championship, but you guys beat them. I think in '99, maybe or 2000. It was a game. No, no, no. It was it was a regular season. You guys lost that game. Okay, well, he talks about it, whatever. But yeah, so Mike Schwartz was there. Dennis Felton was there. Uh, Shea Seals, who was a great player at Tulsa, uh, was was there, and uh, and obviously Coach Hayes. So okay, but what's that like in terms of the the coach's office and and a meeting, right? Like you're not only a bright guy, but you played in the NBA, you played for Frank, mm-hmm. right? Then you have other guys that have been doing it longer. How do yes. you, I, I think the question is like, how do you contain your enthusiasm? How do you, cause like now you're low man on the pecking, pecking order. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. See, I don't need, like, I, I, I have no ego when it comes to that stuff and I make it known. And it's, I think it's so important in college basketball staffs because, you know, so many people, are in this business for the wrong reason. So many people are in this business to get ahead. So many people are in this business to make money, to like serve their own self-serving interests, like push their recruit ahead. But like, it was known right away that I cared about none of that. All I cared about was us being the best team we could possibly be and Frank Cave having as much success as he could possibly have. Like that was it, that was it. And I thought that Tulsa was the best job in the country. I wasn't looking for another job. I wouldn't have left. Like, you know, funny story. A coach at the Peach Jam came up to me after my first year at Tulsa and asked me if I was interested in going to a program that's been in the Final Four multiple times in the last few years. And like I was at Tulsa and like this, I said, no. I said, no, I'm good. Like, I just... I was in a learning state and I was happy. I, I, I didn't, and my mind didn't understand about advancement in the business. And I was good. Like, it, it, like, so I was just entrenched in making our players as good as they could be making our program as good as it can be help, helping coach Hafe have, 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 have as much success as he could have. Um, and so I didn't even care about where my rank was within the staff. If I saw something, I said something, you know, if I seen something in the player, I went to that player. You know, if I did, if I disagree with someone in a staff meeting, I said it. If I didn't like your recruit, I would say it. If I did like your recruit, I would say it. If I, it was, it was, it was great honesty and, and uh, transparency. And, you know, that's what I've tried to create on every staff I've been on. And I want to create here at Mason. Fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Winning is an everyday mindset. And we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work? When you're not at your best, Coach Cal and I'll share some wisdom from our time coaching and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. You got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, when... When I finished playing for Coach Sutton, our relationship changed. It evolved. It got better. You know, it was way more open and way more frank conversation. And he was a pretty honest coach to play for. Um, but what was that like for you with Frank? Because you had played play for Frank. We had talked about how he recruited you back to Miami way back in the day. Yeah, you only played for him for a year. Now, now what is it like? What was, what was the difference like in being part of his staff? It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, we had a great relationship when I was a player. Um, I mean, we would sit up at night on the phone with each other as a, as a collegian, and we would watch games. I remember watching the Miami Heat with them, and the Heat ran a play to get Chris Bosh, like a pick-and-pop opportunity. And I was like, man, that'd be great. You know, and I like, he, said, he said, shoot it to me. So I like got up with my phone and videoed it, and I sent it to him that night, and he put it in the next day in practice. And we just had a great connection. And um, and I got to see that, you know, even back when he was at Miami with another guy from Baltimore, you know, Jack McClinton. He and, he and Jack had that connection that was unreal. And um, when I became a coach, it just got better because we spoke the same language. We had the, some of the same experiences. Like, you know, I was we were with each other in some very, very tough moments. Like. And that 
you can never replace that. I mean, we were up 19 points at, in Fog Island Fieldhouse to win the Big 12 regular season championship, and we lost that game. Like, that was a crushing loss. We lost – we were 30-4, and four and we lost as a two-seed to Norfolk State. Like, that was a crushing loss. We experienced some great wins together, winning a Big 12 championship, tournament championship. Um you know, beating Baylor three times, beating Texas three times, like some great experiences together. So we just had a bond that, that was special. And what I told him was, and it, I was serious at this moment, I wanted for him what Coach K had at Duke. Seeing Nate James and John Shire and Chris Carrawell or Steve Wojo or all his former players as assistant coaches, like I wanted that for him, that bond and that connection. And, you know, obviously I moved on and, um, you know, my career took me in different paths, but we had and still have an incredible relationship. I still call him and talk about his team and give him my thoughts. And, you know, I, I still try to help him recruit players whenever I can, you know, if, if I know. I don't know if you remember this. I don't remember this, but um, uh, Shaq Harrison. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your first year there and I come to a game and I was like, it wasn't Shaq Harrison like a really good football player. Yeah, he was, he was, yeah, he was gonna go to uh, he was gonna go to Kansas to play football at high school, Big Twelve football. Right, and you're like, I was like, he should play football. And you're like, no, he should play basketball. He'll play in the NBA. And I was like, yeah. come on, man. Like, yeah. Um, what'd you see in him? He, I, <laughs> I saw in Shaq Harrison what I saw in the NBA. Outside of talent, outside of ridiculous talent like the freaks, outside of those talented freaks, I saw in Shaq what translated to a long career in the league. Incredible toughness, incredible competitiveness, and an incredible work ethic. If you have those three things, the way the game is going right now, your toughness and competitiveness can spur you into a career. Like, guys are getting drafted because they have a high motor like guys are getting picked up from overseas. I mean, Javon Carter, the kid to Scott Anderson, like Draymond green. And obviously Draymond's IQ is ridiculous, but his toughness and his competitiveness are so elite. And Shaq had the work ethic, you know, he had the work ethic to go with it. He was our hardest worker. He was our toughest player. He was our most competitive. I mean, Shaq would get in an argument with one of our, got with, with one of his teammates and his teammates like complaining about something and Shaq would say, shut the F up. I've never lost a sprint. I've never lost a sprint since I've been here. And I was just like, yeah, like, yeah. Like think of the last dance clip of Michael Jordan running at the Birdo center. I mean, who was the first one in those sprints? Like he was right. like, I got, I, I, I can say whatever I need to say on this team. I've never lost a sprint, beat me in a sprint and then talk. Like, so he just had that chippiness and edge to him. I text Shaq like once a week still. I just text him and say, make sure you're the, you're the first one in, last one to leave. Like, every, I wish I had that for me when I was in the league. Someone to remind me to make sure you're the hardest worker in that organization every day. How, how did the Colorado thing happen? Um, you know, again, not looking for a job. I mean, was just at an AAU event and in, in, uh, it was in the spring. And I like to sit by myself when I'm out eat, like recruiting kids in the summer because right? I just it's just it can be a distraction being around the coaches that yes. haven't seen each other all year. They're talking to each other on their phone like no one's watching games. So I would I'll go sit alone. Um, you know, sometimes I do have a friend I want to sit next to, you know, but 
uh, if, if I don't have a guy, I'll go sit by myself. And Coach Boyle, nice shirt, man. Varley, nice hoodie. Varley design. I love it. Uh, 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 I, I, I'd go sit alone. And Coach Boyle, you know, they recruit very pointedly at Colorado. So sometimes if he didn't have a kid to see at a game, he later told me he would just watch assistant coaches. He would just look and see, like, which assistants are working. And I was sitting by myself. It was a Houston Hoops versus, uh, I think, Nike Pro Skills, Dallas Pro Skills game. And I was sitting by myself watching a big kid that we were involved with. And he just came and sat next to me. And we just sat for one half of basketball and, like, talked basketball. Like, what do you think they're going to do out of this timeout? Well, I know they better take away that kid. Uh, well, uh, this ref, man, he's, he's ready to go home. We just talked basketball for one half of basketball. Literally, that was it said goodbye. Now I played against them for one season. They were in the big 12. His first year, Colorado was my junior year, Missouri. That was it. Left that, that event in April at Boo Williams. Didn't have his number. Didn't think of nothing. Fast forward to July. So the job season is over. This is July. It's the end. Like I'm at the last event in Atlanta and I'm sitting there watching a game again on the bleacher and Bino Ransom and Mark Turgeon from Maryland were next to me. Um, I didn't know this, but Turge and Boyle were, high, were right. college teammates at Kansas. Not, not, it, that, that, that undersells it. I, I mean, I'm sure you knew this, but Tad was in private. He was in the private sector. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. He was out of it. And, you know, Turge, and, and Turge, Turge was like, you got, yeah. you got to come coach. Yeah, he brought right. him to Oregon, and then he yeah. left Oregon to go to Jerry Green at, with Tennessee, yeah. and then he left Tennessee to go to Jacksonville State with Turge. And so they're, they're best friends. They're best friends. And I kind of was said, what up? Bino's from Baltimore. So I was kind of talking to Bino a little bit. And I said, what up, Turch? Turch said, what up, man? And he said, uh, Tad, Tad Boyle's going to hire you. And I looked at him like, what? And I was just like, kind of shook my head. I didn't, it didn't make sense. I was like, whatever. Like, Tad doesn't even have a job. Like, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, man, Tad loves you. And I like, oh, well, nice, man. He's a great guy. And that was it. Didn't think of it of it. So it, it wasn't the last weekend. Actually, it was the middle weekend. There was one more weekend in Vegas because I go to Vegas. I'm at an event. Again, I'm standing on the side of a bleacher by myself. Tad happened to be in the back row. And Tad taps me and said, hey, what up, Kim? And he says, is this still your number? And I was like, yep, that's still my number. I got the same number since seventh grade. And um, I was like, yep. And he's like, all right, cool, man. Good seeing you. I was like, nice seeing you too. And then um, I get I get back to Tulsa. It's August. It's our time to like relax a little bit for a couple of weeks after the July grind. And I get a call from coach Haith saying, Tad Boyle just called and he asked to speak to you. He has a position open. John pre thinks John Prelo is going to get San Jose state. And he wants, and I was like, wow. So, so Tad called me. It was my first time being alone with my April, May, June, July, August, four-month-old daughter. I was alone with her in Tulsa. And I, she, I put her to sleep, talked to Tad, talked about coming to Colorado, and I told him no. Like, I was good. I recruited Darian Jackson and Jariah Horn and Elijah Joyner. I recruited these really good future cornerstones to the Tulsa program, and I wanted to coach them. And I said no. Thanks for no thanks. And um, I went to sleep, and tornadoes never hit Tulsa. Like almost never. 
like because it's the Arkansas River, it's hilly. They just they they usually revert and go to like northern Oklahoma. A tornado dropped down in Tulsa that night and like ravaged my neighborhood, like ravaged, like shopping centers, houses, my neighbors' houses. What like, what, what neighborhood? What part of town? I lived in Midtown. I lived in like 51st and Sheridan around there. From just just on the on the poor side of Midtown. Um, and uh, but my house was untouched. My house was untouched with my four month old baby. And I wake up the next morning, like go outside, like what? And I get a text from Tad said, any second thoughts? And I'm kid you not. If it wasn't for the tornado, I would have said, no, I'm good, man. Thanks. Good luck with your search. I was ready to help Kim Paulino try to get the job. I text back because of the tornado. I said, actually, I am having some. (laughs) That happened. That happened to Scott Brooks. I don't know if you know that. So when Scotty was uh, before his last year in Oklahoma city, um, his wife was home and they were maybe in the playoffs and there's a bad tornado and they were in the basement like all night. And she was like, I'm out, I'm out. And so their last year, they moved to Orange County where he had a house because they couldn't, they couldn't do the tornado. They couldn't do the tornadoes. It it, honestly, if it wasn't a tornado that night, I would have probably maybe still been at the university of Tulsa right now. Did you, did you know, did Frank talk about the, the race riots, uh, black wall street when you're at Um, TU? We spoke of, I didn't know about it. I, I knew about it before I got there. I got more intimate with the, you know, the story and the history of that terrorism and those riots and that um, mass murder that took place there. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of in the midst of more, you know, um, race violence in the country of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and, you know, and, you know, when those, when that stuff started to become more prevalent and we yeah. saw it more, what happened in Tulsa and I think the hundred year anniversary just came up. So over the last few years, it's become more of a topic. Yeah. I knew about it. I would drive around. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I used to tell the story to any of my family or friends that used to come into Tulsa. Like I used to show them, this is, this was black wall street, this incredibly booming area right now. Like, you know, yeah. we owned and operated it and, you know, we're thriving. It's, it's really interesting because yeah, Tulsa to you has had has had successful been a launching point for a bunch of successful black coaches, right? I mean, four or five. I mean, obviously, I mean Tubby was amazing Nolan. in terms of his staff there. Craig Robinson was there. Nolan, Tubby, Craig, and Frank. Nolan was Nolan was there. Yeah. Frank coaches there. in general, coaches in general, but yeah, black coaches for sure. But it's 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 just it's very interesting that there's been a tremendous amount of diversity at Tulsa basketball specifically. And yet here's this kind of super ugly history that sometimes gets mentioned, sometimes doesn't get mentioned. It's like, it, it, and I just, I do wonder what it's like to walk around as a black man, as a coach at Tulsa, knowing this exists and, and, and like how, how you, how you process that. Well, like I would say, mentality. I wouldn't say it exists at that level. I mean, that was a very, radical level it was a hundred years ago um obviously racism still exists it's more or it's more systemic it's more covert um that was a very overt form of racism you know know, what happened 
in whatever 1921 it was in Tulsa, um, 1920. But um, yeah, I, I, I'd say that it's just walking around Tulsa. It's a lot different than other places in the Deep South. It's not as strong. I mean, Booker T. Washington High School is in East North Tulsa. It's in North Tulsa, and it's a historically black high school. It used to be a segregated black high school, but it is it's one of the most well-performing high schools in America. And white kids from all over Tulsa, Jenks, affluent neighborhoods in Tulsa drive to get educated at Booker T. Washington. So there's some integration in Tulsa that I thought was pretty cool. Um, even with the native American culture, um, you know, in Catoosa and broken arrow, I, I, I really enjoyed my time in Tulsa. Okay. So you get to, you get to Boulder. Boulder's a different spot now. Different spot. It is. What was that like for you? Um, you know, it was great. It, It was really cool. It was, uh, it was different. I never lived out West. Um, it was beautiful. It is beautiful. Seeing the flat irons and the Rockies and um, the amazing weather, the sun, and uh, you know the the it was great. It was a great mix of college town plus city. You have Boulder and twenty three miles away you have Denver. So um, I live in the middle. I lived in Broomfield. Again, didn't have enough money to live in Boulder, Colorado. It's very expensive. Um, didn't want to live that far in Denver, so I lived lived in the middle, and um, no, it was great. What was what's Tad like? He, uh, you know, the, you know, I learned so much from each coach. From Frank, it was a, I feel like he's a really, really, really smart offensive coach, and the confidence that he gives his players is is incredible. Um, with Tad, Tad has an ability, man, and it's real. And it's like it as an assistant, you're like, come on, man, like let's go. We got to be more great. He thinks that there is not a better job in America than the University of Colorado at Boulder. Like if a kid told Tad Boyle that he was going to Kentucky or Duke, sorry, coach, I made my decision. I'm going to UCLA, Kentucky or Duke, Colorado's out. He would look at that kid like the kid was a fool. He thinks Colorado is the best job in America. And that conviction in the job, what I've discovered, shined through in his recruiting. Because when he's talking to kids and parents, they really believe what he's saying. It shined through in his basketball coaching. When we're preparing for a game and he's giving a speech at halftime or we're scouting, the players feel it, how much he believes this place can be special. And it it is special. Um, It it, it shines through in everything he does. You know, every single day Tad Boyle wakes up, he's thinking, what can I do to make Colorado basketball a champion? And um, he's a really good basketball coach as well. What what is it? How is style wise? What's unique about how his teams play? Uh, very simple, like simple. What I what I realized, you know, Nate Thomason, who came with me here from Colorado. Nate likes to say, um, "Simplicity is brilliance." Tad is a very simple coach, and 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 it is and it it is cool. I'm actually I was I was texting with Coach Bennett the other day. And he actually sent me a biblical reference to it. It was about simplicity, like how we need to practice simplicity. And, and that's Tad. And, you know, it, 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 what it becomes is it, it becomes routine. 
becomes routine. It's a lot what you hear Belichick and Saban talk about, you know, the routine of every day, the monotony of everyday work. And his best teams, when they're clicking, it's it's really cool to see. The, their defense is sound. Their offense is, is simple and effective. Yeah, my, my brother worked for Mike Montgomery for six years, and he used to say uh, simplicity and execution. Yep. That's it. Like, what's the secret to their success? Simplicity and execution. Yeah. Um, why'd you go to Tennessee? Um, again, wasn't looking. I just, we, I was actually at the final four. I was, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm very fortunate in my career. I mean, I was at the, actually at the Black Coaches Association, um, like, banquet. We're sitting there. I got a call from, uh, from Mike Schwartz. And he says, Rob Lanier is taking Georgia State. Do you want to come to Tennessee? And I said, let's do it. <laughs> that was the thought process. That was it. They had just come off an incredible season. They were fresh in my mind watching them in the Sweet 16 against Purdue. I loved the way they played. Coach Barnes and I had gotten close over the last four years. When I got to Tulsa, you know, obviously he coached against me in the Big 12. Frank worked for him at Texas. Mike played for him at Texas, was a GA for him. It was his first graduate assistant at Texas. Out on the road in the summers, Coach Barnes and I would go to have lunch and dinner with Mike or Coach Haight. And um, so we kind of gotten a good relationship and rapport. And um, he called and said, let's do it. And Tennessee almost turned into UCLA, which was going to be like, which I didn't feel as good about. I wasn't, I did not want to leave Colorado for the same league. Um, and we had just beat up on UCLA. We beat them four straight times. So I really wasn't like in awe of the program at the, at the moment, um, you know, and, uh, but, but what turns- is that, what is that like to be sitting there and you're like, you, did you know, like, do you know all these things that are going on? Are I you know aware- the UC- yeah, I'm aware the UCLA thing is going on and, um, you know, it was, you know, he, he wanted me to go with him either way. And I told him I would have went with him either way, but I really, in the back of my mind, I was happy. I was sold on Tennessee. I didn't feel good about sitting on the opposite bench of McKinley Wright, Tyler Bay and Deshaun Schwartz, um, like respectively and privately. Like, so I was happy that it was Tennessee. Um, I do want to talk about McKinley Wright because anybody who's watched him, and then you even before you know his personal story, you're like, I love watching that kid play basketball. From the first, when was the first time you saw McKinley Wright? Uh, August, when I got there, right before they went on a foreign tour. Okay, so you get there, and did you did you know who? He, did you know anything about him? No, never. Nope. Nope. Never. Never. First never, impression never. was what? Shaquille Harrison with more skill. A little smaller, a little less athletic, but he's Shaquille Harrison from a heart standpoint and a competitive standpoint. I didn't know about his work ethic at the first time I seen him, but and in a work standpoint, he's going to make it. Like he is, he's Jameer Nelson, he's Terrell Brandon, he is, I mean, he's going to have a career in the league. You know, agreed, totally agreed. Uh, I love love watching him play basketball and, and run a team and and lead a team. He's he's awesome. Yeah, awesome. I bet a point guard. You're a, you're a true point guard. I bet you would like to see him, you know, operate. Oh, dude, I I seriously, I watch Colorado games just to watch him watch him play. He's that he's that enjoyable. Yeah. Okay, so you get to Tennessee, and they come off this 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 great year. Yeah. Now, for people who don't know Rick, Rick is hilarious, mm-hmm. very sarcastic, like yeah. very sarcastic. 
uh, and just, I mean, a, like a super interesting personality where I, when I was in the league, like I kind of didn't, I didn't like him. Like I, I thought he was so, he, he was like, he was so sarcastic on the sidelines. Like I would, I'd always, I'd sometimes chirp to the opposing bench. He'd say some shit to me. And then when I started covering him. Like, I didn't know if he didn't like me or whatever. And then he invited me to dinner one time I was doing a Texas game and I just, I laughed the whole time. I, I was like in, and then one time after the final four in Dallas, I texted him like, Hey, we're going to stay. We're, we're thinking about coming down to Austin. He's like, just tell me when you show up and tell me when you leave and promise me that you'll have breakfast with me one morning. I said, okay. And he got us a room at the W um, and he gave me all these restaurants to go to. We went to like every restaurant was good. He gave me where to do yoga. He's an amazing dude. Okay. So you move into Knoxville. He decides not to go to UCLA. What's your experience like? Um, You know, I I remember the Purdue Tennessee game of 2019 in the sweet 16. And I remember texting with McKinley and Deshaun because we had just got, we, we had lost in the quarterfinals in the NIT to Texas and Texas played at a speed that we hadn't seen in the Pac-12 that season. They just played at a different pace and tempo, which I know it's it's the tempo and pace of a Big 12. It's the Big 12. and But I hadn't seen it. That speed, that pace for four years. And I told our team to go back and watch that Purdue-Tennessee game. Before I knew anything about Tennessee, I was going. And when I got to Tennessee – I realized my first practice, why the speed and tempo was the way it was. was that? It made a huge impact. It's because Coach Barnes and that staff demands it every single rep. And it was my main emphasis, our spring at George Mason, was I got to get these guys playing at that speed playing at that whereas the only like this spring at George Mason wasn't about what we did it was all about how we did things like like and I told all of my assistant coaches if it ain't hard enough fast enough strong enough stop and make them do it again like we are going to stop and do it until it's so I've told the guys pass the ball as hard as you can like every single pass every single chest pass try to knock a guy over cut so hard you, you you trip and fall like drive the ball so hard you fall into the wall like run every single time as hard as you can run so run as hard as you can run cut as hard as you can cut drive as hard as you can drive pass as hard as you can pass like that was our spring just and it looked sloppy it looked crazy at times guys were falling guys were missing passes but it was like I was like good like they got to get to the level that I'm used to that I'm accustomed to, you know, because, because when it's done right, it can be overwhelming. You know, our, our tempo and our pace, when we were right at Tennessee, overwhelmed teams. Um, and I felt it as a, a player at Missouri, and we're going to get that level of speed and execution here at Mason. Um, this last year at, at Tennessee, you had two super, super talented young guards. Um, what was it like to work with Jaden Keon? It was great. You know, I, I, um, I feel like they got shortchanged like every elite freshman in the country this year from Kentucky Duke to us. I mean, very few, I mean, what Kate Cunningham, very few freshmen had great success 
this year, like from a winning and playing standpoint, like those guys, we won and we were a tournament team. They played well, but it wasn't at the level it should have. We could have had a full summer with them, eight weeks of four hours a week. If we could have had a real fall and inner squad scrimmage. Oh, I mean, a, a real scrimmage. You, you know, at, at Tennessee, we scrimmage Davidson every year. We, if we could have had 12 non-conference games with those guys, it would have been so much more special than it was. You know, they had a summer of us coaching them from the balcony. Like, you know, we, we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, we had to think about social distance and practice. And we couldn't, it just, it was disappointing because I think those guys are, I mean, I won't coach guys as talented as that much in my career. Um, so it was great to see their greatness in games and in days in practice, especially Keon. Um, but um, you know, I kind of am disappointed that COVID happened and it didn't get to be the development and the culture that we usually have at Tennessee. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work? When you're not at your best, Coach Cal and I'll share some wisdom from our time coaching and we'll apply that wisdom to your off court challenges. You got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so... COVID hits, the world shuts down, okay, stops. What, what, what are you doing? It was, um, man, you just, I got in a routine. Um, you know, I, I got up, I had days with my daughters. 
um, play with them all day, which was great to get to spend that much time with my girls. Um, I watched the news all day. Um, go outside. Uh, and I would talk to Coach Barnes, talk to our players. We just try to make little like Zoom projects. We do like Zoom film sessions with our current players. Tried to recruit as best we could, um, you know, to finish up our 2021 class, our 2021 class. Yeah, that was Kennedy Chandler. You know, we were still recruiting uh, Paulo Bancaro pretty hard at that time. Um, no, it was it was it was it was it was it was very surreal. It was scary, you know, from a standpoint of not knowing when this was going to end, not knowing if college basketball was going to still be a thing. Um, you know, and then finally we got sports again. Um, you know, uh, finally we got sports again, and that kind of made things a little bit better, back to normal. Um, okay, so how how did the George Mason thing come to be? Um, you know, it's always been a job that I've kind of looked at as if there was ever an opportunity, I would do anything I could to 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 get it to get involved. And um, from the moment it opened, I was very fortunate that there was mutual interest. And uh, we spoke. Coach Barnes actually got his start here as a 32-year-old head coach. Um, and uh, so that, that there was a connection there, and uh, that really excited him. And um, when I spoke to the athletic director, Brad Edwards, who played in the NFL with a Super Bowl championship ring, when I spoke to the president, uh, Dr. Greg Washington, hearing the alignment between those guys, hearing Dr. Washington's under, excuse me, hearing Dr. Washington's understanding of how in, how important intercollegiate athletics and especially basketball is, um, it really got me excited. And and then once I heard that from them, it just became me letting them know that I was ready to lead, letting them hear my basketball plan and my vision for this program and how we're going to get it done. Um, so yeah. So so what so what is the vision? What is the what like what's the step by step process? You get the okay, let's start with this. You get first of all, you get the job. Who mm -hmm. called you and told you you got the job? The athletic director. Okay. So he calls you. Mm -hmm. And and at the time somebody tell this is this is a question I I just does he does he did you discuss salary before? Did no, you go I've like never, deep? I've never I've never uh, in any job I've had, not Tulsa. Now, any job. I mean, playing professionally, I've never, ever one time asked what the money. I, I found out what my salary was when I looked at my contract when I was here. Okay. And so you say, so he says, so he said, do you want the job? Do you say you have the job? Like, yeah. what, what's that conversation? Now, Brad was in talks with, with CAA. Yeah. He was with Evan Daniels, Jimmy yes. Sexton. He was talking to those guys. They talk numbers. Again, I let those guys know it was not about money for me. Um, uh, so, so he, he, he called me, you know, he, he, I had a great talk with the president the day before I talked with the deputy AD, Dr. Debbie Corbato, who is spectacular. And, um, he called me, I was driving back to Knoxville from Missouri and he said, are you ready to do this? And I said, absolutely. And he said, all right, let's keep it on the low. So I couldn't say anything. And, um, and yeah, got, got, got right to it. Got got off the phone with him and I called the guys that I would want to, to come with me, my staff and told them. All right. So this is, this, this may, this may cause some staff dissension. 
who was the first call? Nate, Nate Thomason. I, uh, he kind of known, I was involved with another job uh, before it was a, a power five job I was involved with. And I, uh, Nate knew Nate, Nate's one of my closest friends in the business, we played against each other in prep school, played against each other in the big 12, worked with him at Colorado. Um, he's Australian and the colors of the boomers are green and gold. So we were in the bubble, but both of us were in the bubble. They were still playing. Um, we had got bumped in the first round, Oregon state played thanks to your brother's recruiting. Um, we were, but he, he knew I was involved with it the whole time. And he says, all right, I'm going to lock into Georgetown and then Florida state. He said, just, if it happens, just text me green and gold. And I could probably find it. I, I just text him in like all caps. I said, green and gold. If like a million explanation points, <laughs> like green, green and gold, the color of the boomers and the come and, and the color of George Mason, uh, uh, basketball. So he was the first one I called. Okay. So when you're putting together pieces, is it about guys you're close with that you trust or you're like, all right, well, I get Nate yeah. and Nate does this and he's international. And then yeah. I got this guy, he's Baltimore. How'd yeah. you, how'd you decide to put together the staff? Yeah. For me, it's about integrity, intelligence, and work ethic. Like if I'm close to you or not, like if I know you're good, if I know people around me that I do, I have to, I have to know people around you. I don't have to know you, but I have to know people around you that can vouch for your integrity. I can find out in a second if someone's good and if they work hard, if they're intelligent. So, I mean, my staff is that. I mean, Nate Thomason, I think, will be an NBA head coach one day. Brilliant, really good recruiter domestically and internationally. I mean, Colorado's recruiting class is eighth in the nation this year, and Nate had a big part in that. Um, coaches, he's a coach's kid. He's super sharp, smart, knows the game. Um, you know, Dennis Felton, who I got to work with intimately at, at Tulsa is bright. I mean, been in it a long time. Um, you he's, know, he's like your old, he is your old head. Like I know yeah. you trust him and respect him, but, and he's, but he uh, also, no, I trust you know, him and respect him intimately. He built a monster. And integrity, what they had, you know, like he built a mid-major monster at, at Western Kentucky. And, um, a great person. You know, I wanted to have someone from the area, but I wasn't going to just get some random person from the area that I didn't trust deeply. And uh, so I was actually talking to a lot of guys from the area that really good candidates that I really, really liked and was seriously considering. But when I got here and sat down with Dwayne Simpkins, it turned into, it changed from me like saying, oh, I'll retain them. Like, oh, I'll just keep them. It turned into, I really, really, really want this guy. Like, like he had other jobs. I mean, you know, Tennessee was talking about Dwayne Simpkins to replace me there. Like, so it flipped, like in one meeting, it flipped from me convincing Dwayne Simpkins to stay here. And I am like, we are lucky to have Dwayne Simpkins, who is a McDonald's All-American who played for a, Naismith Hall of Fame high school coach and Morgan Wooten and played for a Naismith Hall of Fame college coach at Maryland, who was a six foot point guard. So he knows the scrappiness and toughness and competitiveness that we talk about. Um, so he's been great. He's been great bridging the gap um, with our players, recruiting the area and his institutional knowledge has been incredibly incredible. This is seventh season here. So uh, I'm really excited about my three assistant coaches. Um, I.J. Poole is a young, hungry, very talented um, 
guy that I worked with at Tennessee. He was actually a 24-year-old assistant coach at Appalachian State for two seasons. He was a manager at Texas for coach, a grad assistant at Tennessee. He did, did video stuff for us last year at Tennessee, and he's a director of scouting and player personnel. Um, I, my ops guy is the academic coordinator from the University of Virginia basketball. He was there for 11 seasons with, with Coach Bennett. Um, has Coach Bennett been there for 11 years? It has been 11 years. Yeah. He, and, and he was at Duke and, and Notre Dame before that. I met him on a Zoom. Mid-pandemic, I was on a Zoom with a guy named Daniel Marks from the Bucks. He uh, had a Zoom talking about athletics, just kind of pushing athletes through the system and not valuing education. So I was on that Zoom as a panelist with a professor from some school. And me and the professor went at odds. He was kind of casting some generalizations on athletes and black athletes in particular. So me and that professor kind of went at it toe to toe. And I didn't know it. TJ Grams, my now ops guy was on that Zoom and he got my email. I'm, I'm really close with a lot of guys on, on the Virginia staff. Um, uh, Johnny Carpenter being one of them, who's one of the smartest people in our game. And um, Johnny said, hey, our academics guy asked for your number. He was on your Zoom call tonight. And I was like, yeah, give it to him. And he, TJ and I talked and he was like, man, I love that. Like, that was awesome. And he told me he had an interest of possibly um, working on the basketball side. What was it that you challenged the guy on the professor on? What was what were the I don't generalization? remember specifically because now it was it was two springs ago now or one spring I don't even know. Stop that because you remember you remember everything. I know everything. I I remember he said something like I think we were talking about the the how athletes just get kind of pushed through like just it it, it it's more about eligibility than like excellence in education. It's more about eligibility than graduation is what he was right. saying. And, and, and that's true in a lot of places. But he was saying the athletes don't care about that. The athletes, the athletes are pushing that. And I thought that couldn't that couldn't be further from the truth. Okay, okay. I, I just it depends on the kid. Exactly. It's not it, it, my my argument to him was. Black college athletes aren't monolithic. Like there's not one thing. <laughs> that we we all do it's it's a million different things just like i couldn't say all professors I'll, I'll give i'll give i'll give you an example okay so when i was in notre dame notre dame you have to take freshman studies so you get thrown into the pool and it's there's just it's a smaller school brilliant people and so i remember i had to take like biochem and some high level math and if i didn't have antony weish who um who's an assistant opposite sienna if i didn't have tone in my class I was done yeah. done not just I'm not even talking about peaking just the and and that comes from his family and his desire to work yeah. when I was at Oklahoma State Adrian Peterson's our third all-time leading scorer like that dude was was brilliant yeah. you had it it had it didn't it went across racial bounds yeah so social, that was not argument. It, didn't, it didn't matter it's all based upon the kid what his parents High school coaches demanded, and and frankly, what the what the coach demands yeah. of of his players. But mostly, it does come down to the kid. And if the kid is there, it's it's a lot like you said about coaching when you started. Like coaches get into the business for the wrong reason. There are players that are in this thing for the wrong reason, and some figure it out and some don't. Right. And it, it always bothers me when people say, "Well, kid, guys just get pushed along. They get yeah. well, 
Yeah, well, again, you're assuming you know every player. There yeah. are some guys who are just going to try and get by. Yeah, no, it, it, it was ridiculous, and we we went at it, and uh, it was good. It was fine. It ended well, and Daniel Daniel loved it. And um, it's funny you say that. I just one of the most successful former Mason players just walked in. I'm going to visit with him here in a little bit. Steve Neal, who's a very successful businessman in the area. Um, I was kind of as you were talking. I was just kind of watching him walk in. He's 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 incredible. I mean, he's been a vice president for a huge grocery store here locally, Giant Foods. Now he has a busing and trucking company. So, no, yeah, we we dictate. This is higher education. We are part of the higher education process. So, you know, as a basketball coach, for me especially, that education is going to extend beyond the classroom and onto what we do. So, okay, here's what's important. Now you get a team. It's your team. Yeah. Right? The buck stops there. You can play however you want. Yeah. Okay, you've played for two head coaches in college that played very different styles. Yeah. You played for five different high schools. I'm sure they played different styles, plus AAU programs, okay? You played in the NBA. You played overseas. You have all of this knowledge in your head where you recall every play and whatever, yeah. Yeah. okay? Two questions in one. First, how do you want to play? And second, can you play that way in year one, considering you haven't gotten a chance to change all of your personnel to how you truly desire to play? I think we can. I think we can play the way we want to play in year one. I don't know it. You know, I don't know it until I actually see all the pieces together. Right, right now, it's, it's some new guys mixed with some old guys and a lot of video. Haven't seen those guys all meshing. So I think this summer is going to dictate truly, um, you know, what is it we do best? You know, what gives us the best chance at, at winning? You know, if it's you're talking Kelvin Sampson, it's defense and rebounding. If you're talking Mark Few and Gonzaga, it's an offensive juggernaut. They're going to score more points than you um, because they're just really good at scoring points. So, um, yeah, in, in my mind, it's going to be, it's going to, you know, we're going to be a team that is focused on defense and rebounding. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to pick up 94 feet. We're not going to be just going to, it's going to be a little bit, I hate to say this, it's going to be a little bit of a lot of the things I've experienced. Um, you know, I want to, I want to extend defensively. And then later in the possession, I want to protect the paint. You know, I, I know that, but what, what, what's most important is that our guys know, like, that's a great question. You said the buck stops with me and it does, right? But it's my job. It's our job as a staff to get all that intelligence that I just talked about on our staff to get that intelligence onto the court. We need to get that intelligence and that identity onto the court. So it's it also all has, to, all has to work together, right? Because sure, it, it's because, the, for me, you can't talk offense without talking defense. Our defense and our offense are married, right? right. Like and I don't. I, I hate when coaches say, hey, "Yeah, we're going to play fast. We're going to play up tempo." Like good, off, good offense is neither fast nor slow. Good offense is efficient. You know, good offense is efficient. Good offense is coupled with great transition defense. You know, good, 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 good half court defense is coupled with a, a good transition offense. You know, so um, our mission defensively is to keep the ball out of the paint, take away threes from good shooters, contest every shot and limit them to one. Offensively, if we get a defensive rebound and a stop, which we're going to be a good defense team. Our guys have the first seven seconds of the possession to play, man. Get downhill, 
I got two rules in transition offense, run as hard as you can possibly run and pass to someone if they're open um, in transition. It's theirs. It's, they have the freedom to do what they want in transition, knowing that I want to lay up a free throw or an open three in, 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 in transition. And then after that seven seconds, we're going to be in what we call playing the game. It's going to be four out, one in, five out, um, principle-based offense. You know, you know, I talk to our guys all the time about shared their shared cognition in our offense. If a player on the right wing is driving baseline, the other four guys knowing exactly where they need to be on that baseline drive and the driver knowing exactly where the other four guys need to be. If he's driving middle, the other four guys knowing exactly where they need to be. If, 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 if Malik Henry is coming to set a ball screen, the other, the, the guy with the ball and the other three guys knowing exactly what Malik Henry is going to do. Is he roll? Is he pop? Is he short roll? If it's Blake Jones from Australia, who's a six, nine shooter, Blake Jones is popping. Right. So like it's 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 going to be, you know, I think it's going to be fun offensively. And, you know, our mission on offense is to take care of the ball and get a great shot. So very simple, very simple, like very simple sounding things. But, you know, us being able to implement it and but most importantly, our guys being able to more than verbalize it, do the things we want, know who we are as a team. You know, those guys knowing our identity. And our staff, we're not doing ourselves any favors if we're hoarding all this information and knowledge on the bench. Get that information onto the court. We need our guys to be smarter than, than their guys. Um, okay, last thing. Uh, what, what will determine your personal feelings of success in year one? Yeah, it's no, it, you know, it, it's for me, it's very, uh, it's, 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 it's on a very singular day-to-day possession by possession basis. Like when people, what, like, what, like, what, what, like, what is that? Like what? 20 wins. All right. What if you win 20 games and you got three games left to go in the season? Like, what is it getting to the NCAA tournament? All right. What if you get to the NCAA tournament? Like now, what are you going to say? Hey guys, let's pack it in, man. Great job. We reached our goal. Our goals are going to be very process oriented. Like our goals, and I could go on a tangent, but like our goal for like the whole season is to, on the rise of our shot on offense, our goal is to have three guys going to offensive rebound and one guy sprinting back as hard as he can. And that guy that's back is back. He's pointing and hollering. And the guys that did go to the glass, they didn't get it. Those guys are running as hard as they can run back in transition defense. And then we're building a wall to keep the other team out the paint. We're getting matchups. We're identifying shooters. We're not allowing any zero pass paint touches, not allowing any kick ahead threes. We're keeping the ball out of the paint. We're closing out with high hands. We're playing defense without fouling. We're, 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 we're executing our pick and roll coverage at the point of the screen, hitting people, not being soft, right? On the rise of the shot, it's not, it's not looking at the flight of the ball. It's finding who's coming to you and it's laying the wood. It's hitting them as hard as you can. It's going to get the rebound for two hand, with two hands, securing the rebound, looking up the court. Like, for me, that's a goal achieved. Like, that's our goal for this season, to be able to do that. For, and, and then on offense, it's, it's running as hard as you can. It's passing to someone if they're open. 
it's taking care of the ball. It's playing unselfishly. It's it, it, it's fi- it's playing in a possession to find the absolute best shot for our team. And then it's on the rise of the shot doing exactly what I just said. Like, that's my goal. It's, that's it's my process. goal for this season is that that's all I want our players thinking about. Yeah. Because nothing, no, no goal that I could say matters right now on May 20th. Like, the only goal is to get what I just described to you. Like, and if we can literally focus in and hone in on that those responsibilities every single possession i feel great about the outcome of our season um it's interesting that in our last pod you talked about how you believe you succeeded at missouri because you failed at first you know when you first got there we were the 13 13 out of 13 and that you know, one of the reasons you felt like you guys lost to Norfolk State was because you succeeded in the Big 12 tournament. And then because you succeeded in summer league, it took away a little bit of uh, of your hunger in the NBA and and it hurt your, your season with, with the Pistons. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder if if that's well, that will be the case at Mason. Right. Like if you struggle out of the gate, because I'll just give you a perfect personal example. So I coached the Maccabi Games team. It's the Jewish Olympics. And, you know, um, I like anybody, you think you have all the answers. You think you know what you're doing. You go through practices leading up to it. Guys are like, oh, this is amazing. You're awesome. So we go and we play the Israeli junior national team. And, you know, we get good players. And um, we're down 22 to 2 to start the game. And I call it time. It's just a friendly. And I call a timeout and I'm sitting there to myself and I, maybe I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And um, I had come with the idea in mind. I have these two like Jewish ones, like six eleven, the other ones like six ten, And so I scrapped it and I went small and we made it competitive. And I think we lost by like six or eight or whatever, but I was messing around with how I wanted to guard the ball screen in the second half and it probably cost us points. But what you said rang true, which was, I was, I've been thinking about this since we last talked, which was, had that not happened, I would have walked around thinking I knew exactly what I was doing and been wrong. And, you know, we won that tournament because of my ability to change on the fly and figure out to go small, to go big. And, and I also changed my whole philosophy about playing small coaching in that tournament and, and something somebody told me when I was interviewing for a job once, we're like, hey, look, you know a lot of basketball. You're going to learn more coaching one college basketball game than you've learned the whole rest of your life. Right? You just There's so many things that happen in one college basketball game. And uh, I just I wonder for you what that's going to be like because you know what you're doing. You know the game. You've done it. You've lived it. You've seen it. You've felt it. And you have great instincts for what you should do. But it's just different. And I wonder if immediate success in your will plant the negative seed in your mind. Like what happens if you guys start out? Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's the worst thing. I'd rather lose at first. No, no, no. It's, it's not about that. You know, it's, there's a, there's a, there's a Japanese word called Kaizen, Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N. And Kaizen means continual growth. Like continual growth is all that matters. Like growth is all that matters. Um, You know, Rudyard Kipling and all these in your windows, but like they, they, they reign true when you really do make them who you are. Like 
like Rudyard Kipling says, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, they're imposters. They're imposters. If we are building our team, and would you ask me about what my goal was and I described to you our defense possession and our offense possession, if we are getting better in that and losing games, we're just going to keep getting better in those things. Like we, we know no, no coach in the world is going to argue that those things don't aren't the reason teams win basketball games uh, about forcing teams into tough sh- contested shots, getting first shot rebounds, uh, taking care of the ball, getting great, sh- getting your best players, the best shots. Like if we win our first few games and we're going to have a beast of a schedule, we're going to have a beast of a schedule. Um, if, if we win our first few games, like we're going to continue to get better at those things. Like, it's 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 not it, it, I'm beyond that point now where success or failure is going to make me think um like hot stuff. Right. Like I, I know I'm not that good. That's why I work extremely hard. Stephen Curry and Damian Lillard, who are ridiculously good. When you hear those guys after 50 point games, they talk about still having things they have to work on. It's because of the work, the work I put in. So, you know, if, if I'm preaching that to our team, it's the same with me. It's the same with our staff. Like, how are we getting better every day? No matter the outcome, no matter the outcome. Like, things are never as good as they seem. Things are never as bad as they seem. You know, so it's it's, it's, it's not about the outcome. It's, it's about what we are doing. Are we doing the things that we value as important? I appreciate this time. I know you got to go and I got a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, I got to talk and to Steve Neal, man. He's a George Mason great. Go do that. We'll talk soon, okay? Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. Remember to listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, uh, or wherever you download podcasts. In the meantime, download, subscribe, rate, write a review. If you like it, you don't like it, hope you enjoyed it. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at First Listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 